You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. So have you ever gone camping in a tent? Oh yeah, Boy Scouts, we had those little pup tents. It's dirty and it's buggy and you have to sweep out the dust that you drag Messy, in every time and you come and go. it rains and you hope it keeps the rain off your head. It's, yeah, it's not really a pleasant place. Nope, not luxurious at all. Well, today we're going to see God's tent in the midst of Israel. And it's not like that at all. No, today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, a wonderful good morning to you. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, we're delighted you're with us. And we're, we're delighted to be ourselves. Indeed we are. Yes, we are. So uh, <laughs> we, are, we are reading through Exodus. And um, a lot of people never think of Exodus as a book to actually just read. It just, I mean, isn't it the story of them leaving Egypt? So I know the, I know the plot is they get out and well, uh, everything's just cool. People depend on what they've seen in the movie. Yeah, well, right? that, yeah that's right. That's right. And, and once you're past the big action, which is, you know, crossing the Red Sea and stuff like that, it seems like this part we're in right now, we're actually in chapter 26, is kind of boring, but it's a, it's very intriguing. It's it's really unusually unexpected. Well, and I think the the idea that it's boring comes from the fact that, you know, we start into the, the actual... Um, theology part with the Ten Commandments and then there's God said this and God said this and God said this right, and do this right. and don't that and that's what most people take away and they kind of wash out in their reading there but it's really only a few chapters if you press on the story mm-hmm, develops mm-hmm. kind of in between these long sections of talking about what God has said or what God has instructed but even this is quite fascinating and we made this we set this up last time is that uh, since we're right now at the top of uh, Mount Sinai and Moses is with God, and he's getting all this stuff from God. You know, you remember the scenes you see in, in the movie where Moses comes down the mountain. Well, we're still at the top of the mountain, and God's giving him instructions. But in, in a very short amount of time here, we're going to move away from Mount Sinai, and we're going to continue the trek toward the Promised Land. Everyone gets in their tents and moves their camels and their oxen, and we're going on the road again toward the okay, Promised Land. Okay, but they were at Sinai for a year or oh, you know, so. I know. I know, but what I'm getting to is that we're gonna we're gonna break camp here at Sinai eventually. And, yeah, and when we do break camp, God wants to travel with them as one of them in a tent, like they are in tents. And so today, uh, we're coming to this whole thing about setting up this tent. And the tent is called the tabernacle. It's just a it's a portable temporary dwelling place, and and God wants to visibly be seen as living amongst them in this tabernacle. And yet, He's very specific about what His tent looks like. And that's kind of what we're in the middle of right here. Yeah, and the tabernacle is is the central picture in this part of Exodus, right? The, the big picture is God delivering his people out of Egypt. But when he brought them out into the wilderness, he gave them three things out there. And the, the primary thing was the tabernacle, that tent that would move with them. And he gave them manna, he gave them bread right, every day, right. and he gave them his word, his law, what 
how to properly relate to him in everyday life. And so those three things are really the central ideas in this part of, of the book of Exodus. But we don't want to miss the point that God's intention is to live with his people. Right. And that's why this that's why this is all happening. God's intention is to want he wants to live in their midst. In fact, I mean to give you a little plot spoiler, and not too long after we get on the road again for the promised land, uh, he actually spells out how they're going to do their encampments. You know, where right. do you pitch your tents? Right. You know, do you just kind of throw them anywhere? Actually, no, you don't. But uh, And we'll get to that. But in the center of the encampment is God's tent. And each tribe had its assigned place yeah. in that camp. So God wanted to be visibly in the mm-hmm. center amongst his people. And uh, that's what the tabernacle is for. And, uh, and, and we're going to learn a lot about who God is based on what his tent looks like. And that's what we're going to look at today. Okay, so and we talked last week about uh, those the the furnishings, furnishings in inside. the central part of right. God's tent, that holy place, really only had a very few things in it. Pretty right? Sparse. We we talked about this last week: the Ark of the Covenant, right. which was basically a container, a gold box in which mm-hmm. was the testimony of God, uh, the table of the bread of the presence. And the lampstand, which was lit all the time. And then there was a fourth thing that was in that tent. But we don't get the details on that for several chapters. And there's probably a a reason for that, because it's the altar of incense, and it's related to the ministry, the daily ministry of the priests. And we haven't talked yet about the actual priests. We're just talking about the furnishings in God's tent, in that place where he dwells right in the middle of the Okay, so we've got the furnishings figured out, except for one we haven't gotten to yet. So now, but we haven't talked about what the tent looks like at all. What is, and we and we talked last time that God's tent, God, your house reflects who you are. Well, God wants to reflect who he is and where he lives and what his environments look like by, by making his tent look like that to represent. And there's an extraordinary amount of detail here. Yeah. And that question was ringing in my mind all the way through and yeah. kind of reading this to think about it. Uh, why such careful detail? So I hope we'll circle back to that question after we've read it. So yeah, hang in there with it. us as we read this it's, and see if detailed. anything attracts your attention. God wants to make sure his tent represents him. And so here we go. We're in chapter 26. Okay. And for Shall the I first time ever, we're going to look at his tent and how it should be constructed. Chapter 26, 26. verse 1. Okay. Moreover, you shall make a tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain 4 cubits, and all the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that's in the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another, and you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps, so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. Okay, so we're talking tents. Mm-hmm. So the, the primary covering structure of a tent is a fabric. So okay. In this particular case, it's not going to be one layer, but this is the first layer, and the first layer is made out of linen, um, linen, which is a very expensive, very high quality thing, and it's 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 colored blue and purple and red. 
So which were expensive in themselves. These all are expensive. extravagant colors, yeah. but linen is a a plant fiber that actually was used it, in Egypt. Is it flax, it's I think from it is? flax, yeah. yeah from and flax. we know that they grew flax in Egypt. It's a very old fabric. I mean, it goes back way before. But Egypt you can still that. buy linen today. Yeah. yeah. But it's very strong. It's very absorbent, and it dries very fast mm-hmm. in the dry mm-hmm. heat. So it it makes a a really excellent uh, wall covering that's right next to where you're going to be. Yeah. And this would be, you know, this is not your standard tent. This would be a very artistic wall covering. I mean, we're talking about saturated colors and pictures of cherubim. Cherubim woven into yeah. the skillfully worked weaving of the of the wall fabric. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to talk about that skillfully worked uh, skillful work, I guess, yeah. later on in the book when God says, now he's going to invest gifts in particular people in order right. to execute all of this detail. But see, I wouldn't expect this for design of a tent. I remember when we were camping at Boy Scouts, we had these <laughs> canvas tents. They were just kind of canvas. something to keep the dirt you know, and the bugs just out. Just keep the bugs out, keep the water out. But this is really quite extravagant a and very tent. artistic. A beautiful very artistic. Tent. And it's interesting that these curtains have such specific dimensions. Remember, it's portable. So every piece of, you couldn't just roll up a massive 15 foot by 45 foot square tent and carry it. It had to break down into pieces that were portable by an individual or a couple of individuals. So that's probably the significance of the size and shape of these panels. So we have these panels that are, I I turned it into feet that are six feet wide Uh and 42 feet long. And we've got 10 of those. So, you know, if you if you laid those out on the ground side by side just to make the biggest square you could, it would come out to be 42 feet wide by 60 feet long. It would be a big thing. But Pretty you big. can't you can't Well, they're not going to be quite that way. No, right? no, but I'm going to say that that is such an unwieldy sized piece of fabric. Right. That's right. why it's in strips so they can take it down, put it back together. And instead of stitching it all together, they put it together with loops, which is interesting. Loops and gold clasps. Gold clasps, yeah. So again, even the even the hardware is made of a precious metal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, well, let's move on. This is layer one, actually. Okay, that's right, because thing. there are several layers, several and we're going to get to here. the other ones. But this is the layer that would be seen from the inside right. of the tent. And so when you come in, you'll see these blue, purple, red, and cherubim all over it. And we talked about the cherubim last week, that they are they represent guardians of God's holiness, or guardians of his throne, is where we see them occurring in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's read on. Seven. Chapter or verse seven. You shall also make curtains of goat's hair goat's for a hair. tent over the tabernacle. Ah. Okay, so we first had the curtains that were the walls of the tabernacle. Now we're making a tent that goes over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shall you make, and these are goat hair, right? Okay, mm-hmm. verse eight. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits, and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. The eleven curtains shall be the same size. You shall couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves, and the sixth curtain you shall double over at the front of the tent. You shall make fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that's outermost in one set, and fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that's outermost in the second set. You shall make fifty clasps of bronze, and put the clasps into the loops, and couple the tent together, that it may be a single whole." Okay, so that's a, a repeated idea. Mm-hmm, the tent mm-hmm. is clasped together so that it functions as a single whole, but so it's made up of many parts. So instead of sewing these panels together, you're looping them together. Right, with yeah, these clasps. With the clasps. This time not gold, but bronze. But bronze. Yeah. 
Uh, we might come back to that. Yeah, yeah, okay, keep, we'll keep going. <laughs> well, and the part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And the extra that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on one side and the cubit on the other side, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and that side to cover it. And you shall make for the tent a covering, Another covering. of tanned ram skins and a covering of goat skins on top. So you've got four layers now. I count four right? layers. We've got the linen inside, then we We've right. got a tent over the tabernacle of out goat, of goat's hair. Goat's hair, right. And then we've got a covering over the tent of ram skins and a covering over that yep. of goat skin. Two different kinds of skins. Right. Yeah. This is thick. Well. <laughs> it also seems very watertight. <laughs> it would, it, yes. It would be protected against the elements. Yeah. It would be able to stand up in a fairly fierce onslaught of sandstorm or dust or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And also, if you just do a slight miss overlap, you're going to cover up all the cracks. There's no way lights getting in through that's four true. layers. That's true. I hadn't thought about so that. So that's that's a big deal too. So this is this is a big structure. It can be it can be assembled in layers, and each layer can be disassembled as well, which is which is going to be a big deal because pretty soon there's going to be a portion of Levites whose only job is that's moving right, this thing to move it, to take yeah. it down, move it, and put it back up. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, we didn't mention last time, but did you did you see that the goat skins may not actually be goat skins, but porpoise skins? Well, it sometimes is translated really... porpoise, but there's a lot of debate. It's, lot of it's debate. such an ancient word, nobody yeah. knows exactly what it means. Yeah. Uh, but it's some. Uh, it's it's clear that it's some kind of skin. Some kind of skin. Yeah. So now we have, you know, and it's interesting to note that the the size of the goat's hair layer is slightly larger than the size of the original linen layer. But if it's going to lay over and it, it goes over you want to go over it and overlap right. and go larger. So so that's what's going on. So we have, so you know, when you do a tent, you usually have two basic components. You have the fabric and then you have a frame. Right. But so far we don't have a frame. <laughs> well, before we get to the frame, can we talk about the effect of the four layers being, yeah. it would be very quiet in there. Yeah, it should be. Normally in a tent, yeah. you can hear right through the wall. You can see right through the wall, right? Yeah. But yeah. with all of these layers, the, not just the permeable fabric, but the very firm goat skin and mm -hmm. and the other kind of skin, whatever that yeah, is, this is it would deal. not only be dark, it would be very quiet. Very it would quiet. be insulated. Yeah. You'd have a sense of definitely separation from the outside elements in yeah. there. I've come in contact with a goat's hair tent once. It's stinky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was in Israel <laughs> some time ago, there was a... A display, not a display. Actually, it was like kind of a hosting center. We could go and hack and actually have a reception for a wedding and stuff like that. And one part of this area was they called it Abraham's area, and it was basically a goat skin tent, a goat hair tent. And I remember it was just a little bit, a little bit higher than my head. My head brushed against it, so your my head was right next to it. It's stinky, but it's kind of like a really coarse felt, mm -hmm. um, and it was really odd in texture. You'd feel like, what in the world is that? You could see the hairs, but they were pushed together like felt is, and and it was really quite in there. And it was also the top of that. Uh, tent that's got the goat's hair was in the direct sun but on the bottom where my head was it wasn't that hot okay, it would be insulated would be insulated mm -hmm. yeah so it's, it's kind of an interesting deal but it did stink so <laughs> so there you go yeah well let's um, go on what were you going to talk about about the bronze 
uh, uh, well, clasps I, instead of gold. Well, I, as we move from the innermost, very precious parts of the tabernacle, more toward the outer parts that have to stand up against the elements, right. it makes sense that we would move toward bronze. Now, there's symbolism also attached to bronze that mm-hmm. unfolds in the scripture, and bronze is often associated with judgment. Yeah, that's right. So, And we're going to see that come that's when right. we come to talk about the bronze altar in a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah. But I, it's just interesting to me that God was specific enough to say, now, all the hardware is not made out of the same thing. Right. Right. The precious but, stuff that you see inside. But he wanted gold. to make the precious stuff that represents basically God himself to be the precious gold. Right. And, and then, you know, we could talk for days about the symbolism, about the, the progression of the layers, because you have something that's very artistic, very cherubim-like on the inside with gold clasps on it. And then you move, you move incrementally toward the outside world right and it gets more and more right. fallen in a sense i mean you go from gold to bronze right. you go to goat's hair uh, and then you go to the skins of animals who've been killed so there's this kind of progression from the holy to the very common and the kind of fallen so even this picture of the construction of the tabernacle is an it teaches us some things yeah. it says something about god it says something about how we come into that very innermost place to meet with him, as mm-hmm. he said to Moses, mm-hmm. I'll meet with you there in between the wings of the cherubim. Uh, and and it teaches us about ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's a three-part building. And we'll get into this as we, as we go on in the next few yeah. weeks. But there's that innermost place uh, where the ark and the precious things are. Yeah. And then outermost place, the bread of the presence, or outer place, right? Yeah. The, the holy place instead of the holy of holies. Yeah. And then later on, we'll come to the outer court, which was open to the sky. It wasn't covered over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just point out before we leave the fabric, um, in Boy Scouts, it was enough just to have a single layer. <laughs> right. Because that would, that would effectively shield you from rain. That's all right. you really needed. But here there's more of a, of a sense that this is a a separation from the right. world itself, completely separated. Yeah, like set apart, and although it's in the world, it's not really of the world. It's separated by this fabric that's more than just a protection from rain in the elements. Right. It's actually a separation, and that's an important theological idea too. Well, let's get to the frame. What do you say? Okay, got to figure out how to support this thing. Okay, so verse fifteen: You shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood. Ten cubits shall be the length of a frame, and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. There shall be two tenons in each frame for fitting together. So you shall do for all the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle twenty frames for the south side, and forty bases of silver you shall make under the twenty frames, two bases under one frame for its two tenons, and two bases under the next frame for its two tenons, and for the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, twenty frames, and there forty bases of silver, two bases under one frame, and two bases under the next frame, and for the rear of the tabernacle westward you shall make six frames. And you shall make two frames for corners of the tabernacle in the rear. They shall be separate beneath, but joined at the top at the first ring. Thus it shall be with both of them. They shall form the two corners. And there shall be eight frames with their bases of silver, sixteen bases, two bases one under one, two bases under one frame, and two bases <laughs> under another frame. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the frames of the one side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames of the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the frames of the side of the tabernacle at the rear westward. In the middle, the middle bar, halfway up the frames, shall run from end to end. 
you shall overlay the frames with gold and shall make mm-hmm. their gold their rings of gold for holders for the bars and you shall overlay the bars with gold then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain so let me summarize what we have okay, here just please from, do. just from an engineering perspective cuz we got some things to say we're, that, we're only going to raise up supporting frames on 3 of the 4 sides right. of the tabernacle on the the north side the south side which are both 20 20 frames wide and then the west side which is which is where the the holy of holies is going to go so so we have on the order of uh, about almost 50 or 60 of these frames and these frames are very skinny they're just a little over two feet wide and 15 feet tall so they're they're these push-up frames some people think that they're planks of wood i don't think they are i think they're open frames and i've got a good reason for why so it's like a rectangle so to, to construct this tabernacle you take 20 of them side by side and you push them up in the air so you have a 15 foot high wall that's 20 frames long and then you do that on the north side and the south side and then you do that also on the left on the west side, but you use fewer there. You use six or right. eight, depending on how you count it. So it's skinnier on that side. So now you've pushed up all of these frames into the air. And the intention then is going to take the fabric we just had previously and just throw it over the top of these frames. But then you have these bars that run through the middle yeah. that stabilize. So those go horizontally right. to keep them from wiggling in and out. And uh, and they're held in by rings as well. So you have you have a kind of a nice structure of these poles, acacia poles, but they're, they're pre-made in frames. But think of having almost 60, 60 is or more like 50. It's more like 50 of these frames that you're toting around with you all the time. And the frames are just two feet wide and 15 feet tall. And you're going to push them up into the air and attach them all together with bars and rings. So 15 feet is pretty tall. That's really tall. I mean, in, in our standard construction today, that's two stories. If you have a two-story building, they usually measure around eight. 18 feet for two stories. So So it's probably safe to say that the tabernacle would be the tallest building in the camp. Very much so. So that no matter where you were in the camp, you would be able to see the top of it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So now we have these push-up frames tied together with bars. We're going to throw the cloth over the top of them. But what's disturbing is we don't have anything on on one whole side of this four-sided structure. Well, we're going to get that instruction later. That's coming next time, exactly. <laughs> At and, this point in the instructions, the east side is open. The east side is and, open. That's you know, the entry Everybody side. knows about the veil of the temple, but we don't get that instruction just yet. Right. So right? we're still we're missing just, some fabric we're instructions. We're missing some important things, because at this point, we've just been told about the ark, the table of the bread of the presence, and the lampstand. Right. And they're just in, they're going to be in this room. Yeah. Right, but we know that later on there's coming a veil that will separate the right. ark from the right. rest. Yeah, and that's going to be important. So the structure's not done, but we do have the outer structure done right here, uh, in terms of how you put up this tabernacle. But to, to kind of summarize this, though, since we just got a couple of minutes left, if someone in the village and you're a priest, because you're a priest, go in here, and other people don't. If you're a priest that goes in and you see the the construction at this stage, and someone in the village says, "Well, when you go in there, what does it look like?" What would you describe to them as you walked in? What would you see at this stage of things with this much put together? It's huge. It's huge for one thing. It's really tall, yeah. taller than anybody rationally would erect a 15 tent. Fifteen feet tall, about. How deep is about 45 feet? About 45 feet from the front to the back. Yeah, and then what would you see around the walls and on the ceiling? Gold. Gold rings tying fine together. Fine linen. It says fine linen. Fine linen with, with beautiful colors. With deep, deep saturated colors in it and artistic workings of 
cherubim all so over this is it. not like anything anybody else has in their tent no no this is a place set apart in fact you could say to the villager you could say i walk in and you're surrounded by colors and cherubim everywhere you look to the left to the right to the rear overhead you're surrounded by numerous cherubim and it's very quiet and it's very quiet <laughs> because it's insulated yeah. from the outside and, if it, and and so far we haven't closed up the entry but if if you know, it would be dark in there if it wasn't for a lampstand. I mean, it's a, it's a big vacuous space, but it's not done yet because we still need to separate it into two rooms. And we also still need to figure out how to separate the two rooms. And we need to figure out something to do about the entrance, which we've talked nothing about yet that everyone walks in through. But it would be really a stunning thing. I think almost it would be awe-inspiring to walk in the middle of this gigantic, very quiet room surrounded by numerous angels and cherubim and these deeply, deeply saturated colors of royalty and expense. I mean, it would it would just take your breath away. And on top of that, the counterweights at the base of all these panels to hold them down on the ground is made out of solid bars of silver. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, it would be just awe-inspiring as you walk in and say, this is, this is unlike anything I have ever seen on the earth anywhere. And it's meant to do that. It's meant to tell you that this is this is not the earth. This, this is, is something that represents tent. God's, God's tent. tent among you. And this looks more like his real home than anything you've ever walked into before, which should give you pause to walk very far into it because this is where Well, indeed, nobody is. goes in there except the priests yeah. into yeah. the holy place to take care of the bread and the and the lighting of the lamps. Yeah. Yeah. So but at this point they could see it. But you could see it, yeah. Well, it's not built yet. We're still on the mountain getting the instructions. I know, but I'm just I'm just envisioning as we're kind of thinking about what this looks like at this stage of construction, what it looks like. That's why I think the frames actually were just poles in a rectangle, so you could actually see through them and see the linen on the other side of them. So you'd see these poles holding up. You'd see the anyway. There we go. Well, we got one minute left. Any uh, what? What are we going to next time? I and mean, we we haven't finished the tabernacle, so you already mentioned it. I think we're going to the veil. We are to yeah. separate the holy place from the most. Because we've got to separate place. it in two big rooms, right? And uh, and and we're going to do something about the entry. There's but, a screen. Well, yes, but this is kind of the end of the part of what's right inside the tent. Right. Right. We're going to now start talking about about the outer stuff. The the uh, altar and other things coming. Well, we're going to do the veil too. We but to yeah, but first. the veil is kind of that's, the finish of that part. Part of the inside. Yeah, yeah. it's the but, interior wall. You know, just bear in mind that when you've entered God's tent, what do you find in there? You find the bread of His presence, the place where He nourishes you. You find the lampstand, God Himself giving you illumination, and you find the Ark of the Covenant, that container that contains His Word, that very precious place where He meets with you and you're surrounded by cherubim <laughs> and it says in ezekiel that the lord is enthroned above the cherubim it looks like where he lives mm -hmm. well join us next time we're on a complete filling out the tabernacle and god's tent and we'll learn more about who he is and where he comes from and what everything's all about so come back with us next time on more, more than, than ink, ink. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Wait, what? <laughs> Confusing me. Let's start over. <laughs> Don't confuse me. <laughs>